afternoon, good evening, and we are live. Thank you guys so much for listening to Spitting Silver and Black. I am your co-host, Naya Anfaya. You can go ahead and find me at A-N-I-E-A-L-A-T-I-O-N and follow me on Instagram at N-I-E-A on Fia, F-I-Y-A. And I'm here with the one and only Mini Kyle, Mini underscore Kyle himself. Say what's up. Hey, what's up? It's actually two win Kalen now, so. Oh, did you do it? Did we change our name, Kalen? I I, cha- I changed mine on Twitter, so I guess I changed mine in life too. You know. Oh, okay. So, for our listeners who are are used to Mini underscore Kyle, let them know your new name adjustments. You don't renamed yourself. Oh yeah, on Twitter. I actually changed my handle to at two the number two win Kalen. It goes back to days with Herm Edwards. I was joking with him as I told you everyone last week. I don't I asked him a question, said, Hey, you're projected to win two games next year. And you won mm-hmm. seven. What do you have to say about that? And ever since then he's when he's seen me, he said Oh, you're you're two wins. Oh, two wins. It's it's a running joke. It's it's really hilarious. And I guess you just had to be there. Uh, but you, you can call it yourself. It, it was the moment to be there. I mean, Joe was there, but you no, know, it wasn't like it wasn't like I went. It was it's more of like inside joke. Okay, how about I just call you Winston Winston Kalen? Just call, just call me whatever you know. K, good K, K G, K special, special K, the stereo. Uh, we're not sponsored by them, at least. Um, and you know, Colleen, Kalen, Colleen. I'll be like say People call me whatever, and just just call me special K, K, whatever you, you want to call me. Anything you want to call him, but just don't call him Sockle. Yes, do, do, not, do not disrespect my last name. Do not. No, yeah. It's Sokel. S-O-K-E-L-L. Kalen Sokel. Or Special well, Sokel. I think, I think the listeners know who they're talking to by now. They have a lot of, um, you're giving them free range. And um, why don't you guys go ahead and um, hit us up on Instagram and tweet us. And let us know what you guys prefer to call my, my co-host Kaylin Sokel. But you know what? To come back to the show, we are having a great show. Um, this is our 15th episode, and we're going to title, title it episode 15 to finish. We got, uh, we're going to discuss the backup quarterback crisis that the Raiders are having, um, the transition for the rookies, the new program that they have um, just started, the Raiders coaching staff, um, and all of this and more. When you guys listen to episode 15 of Spitting Silver and Black. So what I want to start off first with, Kaylin, uh, we were discussing earlier, um, the crisis, uh, the backup quarterback crisis for the NFL period. But um, just uh, zoning in on Derek Carr and who do you think will be the great fit, the t- two great fit be the backup in Oakland. And okay. Mike Lennon is a former draft pick, mid-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, in his first season, in 2013, 
He completed about 60% of his passes for a little over 2,600 yards with 19 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, with an 83.9 QB ranking. In 2014, he regressed a little when he had 57.6% completion percentage, over 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, with an 83.3 QBR. Now, fast forward to 2017 when the Chicago Bears signed him from Tampa Bay because of how great of a career as a backup he had in Tampa Bay. I mean, he was halfway decent. He was serviceable as a backup. A quarterback coming out of NC State when they drafted him, actually. And, I mean, this is when they knew, the Bears knew they needed a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky to step in and save the day for them. Because in 2017, I mean, even though he had his highest completion percent of his whole career, but shade over 66% with 833 touchdowns, he regressed having only four touchdowns with a grand total of five interceptions and with a 76.9 TV ranking. Never good to have more interceptions than you do touchdowns. That's never a good look. He never clicked in that offense with John Fox that year. It was more like a saving grace for him and that offense trying to really pump up the fan base, really try to win games in Chicago because ever since then, Chicago was lowly. They thought Mike Lennon could be the fifth. They paid him roughly $15 million a year, and they only had him for one season because he wasn't that good. But that's when they knew they needed a quarterback, and that's when they knew they needed a new coach because John Fox wasn't a good fit there. He was past his prime, per se, and he, after having several chances to win a Super Bowl when he had Tatum Manning in Denver, and, but Mike Lennon is the Raiders' backup quarterback. He's serviceable as a backup. I wouldn't start him, but if you had to rely on him for a game or two in the offense with Antonio Brown, Ty Rowe Williams to the side in the slot, and Josh Jacobs as running back, and with the terrific offensive line that the Raiders have assembled this year, Especially, it will be better if Colton Miller improves. He's going to be just fine as backup. It's not the 26th ranked uh, backup quarterback as it was according to Bleacher Report, but he is going to be a nice serviceable backup behind Derek Carr. As Derek Carr in the past, he seems has been known to have a few injuries, but Mike Lennon will be just fine. If you look at his stats, if you look at a team that the Raiders have compared to what Chicago had. Chicago had nobody, not even they had a wide receiver who was injured every year, injury prone, out of West Virginia, never really helped them. But if in that Raiders offense, if you needed him to come in, he would come in and perform, or at least I assume he would, and I'm speculating that he would come in and perform seriously as a backup, and that's why he's backup for the Raiders this season. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Um, Mike Lennon isn't a bad option either. You know, like you said, you said 60%. Um, he completed 60% of his passes. He made all but six um, 21 passes last, last season in Arizona. He got plenty of uh, starting experience there. And at only, I think he's 29, which is a pretty prime age. Um He's already been on this is his fourth this this will be his fourth team. 
um, in many seasons. So I just think that he has the experience. He's already been the front man. I don't think that he would have a, a problem being being the backup. Um, like you mentioned, Derek can be injury prone. Let's hope that he doesn't have any injuries this season. But I know that um, just with the training and um, how Gruden is training them, they're ready and they're they're well enough prepared and will be prepared for these situations to to come and to happen. And when it does happen, if it if it does happen, um, they won't be you won't see a shift in the gameplay. Hopefully, the, everything will just proceed. Um, the style of play won't change. Of course, um, they don't have the same arm. However, the 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 office uh, offense should not start lacking. Um, if they have to uh, go with Glenn or Colin. Exactly. If I made on to your point, because he sort of moves a little west every single stop he's made. From Tampa, north, west, kind of. From Tampa to Chicago, southwest to Arizona, and now in Oakland, Alameda. And he's been battle-tested. He's played from NC State. He played in that wet weather. He played in the humid, hot, humid weather in Tampa. He played in the snow and cold weather in Chicago. Now, in warm weather, where he performed as best, as you said, in Arizona last year, and Tampa Bay his first year, it's a perfect situation for him and a perfect player for the Raiders to rely on as a backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Raiders added um, the wide receiver, Tyrell Williams. Um, and he's already going to try to take the pressure off of Antonio. So like, just like, let's say something, I know we're not talking about, um, we're talking about quarterbacks still, but um, the receivers still have, you know, they still have a, a say so. So I think that um, I seen some video of Glennon practicing with Tyrell and they had a pretty good chemistry um, they really, um, Tyrell's doing a really good job of knowing uh, where Glennon is, and uh, Glennon's doing a good job of finding um, Tyrell from deep. So I think that, like I said before, um, Gruden is training all of his players to practice and do great without their without their star player because they're they're the best player on the team is only as great as your star player. Let me excuse me, how how do they say it? <laughs> how does that go? Your best player on the team is only good as those around him. But it's like I feel like I want to say something about weak link or something. You know how they say like you're only as good as your weak link? Is that what they say? Uh, I I don't really know what they say. I, I just know that I <laughs> that can't have a weak link and the teams don't really ever mention saying, oh, we have a weak link. They always talk, we have a strong link here and there. But I just heard the saying that your best player is only good as those players around him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, to switch gears, how do you feel about the Raiders' defensive line, the front seven still being kind of up in the air, you know? not really nobody's really afraid of this defensive line for the Raiders and I feel like they have already this is 
what the second season that they have risked um, five different draft picks um, for defensive linemen in the last past two seasons. So, well, I feel, well, I feel really good about the line because Maurice Hurst was only a rookie last year. He's only going to get better. Was the 54th among the D linemen ranked 74.2 grade by Pro Football Focus. You have a big, two big bodies in the middle, Justin Ellis and Jonathan Hankins. Jonathan Hankins used to play with the Giants in New York. And you have two great people stuffing the run. You brought in Max Crosby, who can start in a year or two as a power defensive end out of Eastern Michigan. And you have Cleveland Farrell. You drafted a bunch of great linemen that you only need to worry about. I you know someone told me a while ago that they envisioned Farrell would average about eight sacks a season or so. But that could be right. But he's going to be a leader, and you have a bunch of great players that surround him and surround the line. That the line is really one of the, the D line is really one of the strong points on a team that Paul Gunther needs to perform for him this next season because they only had 13 sacks a season ago, which was far last place because the Giants and New England were second last, having only 30. And 13 sacks is just going to do with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, and then we got Clinton Farrell, and he's going to help us generate generate that pass rush, by the way. Um, and what did you say? You said something about Maurice Hurst. So I'd like to mention that he was, he could, for me, I think he was arguably one of the Raiders' best defenders as a rookie. We just need him to be more consistent and get used to the defense and just, everybody just needs to get solid. We'll see more of that um, from training camp that's coming very soon. Yes. Yes, we will. Because players will only improve in the second season. It doesn't help having a new coach every single year. The teams who have new coaches every season, you don't see an improvement out of them. But if you have stability, more stability is better. Paul Gunther showed he could perform admirably in Cincinnati when he had multiple top offense, top defenses in the league, according to ESPN, when he was in Cincinnati. And now that he's in Oakland for the second season, players only get better under him, especially rookies, because Gunther knows what he has to deal with, and Gunther knows his players, and the guys know Gunther and how he works. So the more chemistry that they build together, the more chemistry that they build on and off the field, and really that cohesiveness, reading each other's minds, it's only going to help from here on out. Yeah, I agree. I think that the biggest standouts for the 2019-2020 season will be Maurice and uh, Max Crosby. For sure. Well, Max well, Max Crosby, he won't necessarily perform his best this year, but next year he's going to take a big leap because this year he has to learn the defense and everything. He's going to be more of a locational player at first. 
when they see the power he unleashes and the star potential that he has coming in as a fifth round pick, the Raiders are going to know they got something special. But like a lot of people are saying, once Aaron Leach is full of potential and once he owns in on his craft and fixes the skills they need to fix and get up to the speed of the NFL game because remember he only played in the Mac conference at Eastern Michigan, which isn't a huge conference by any means, but and when he's in the NFL, he's going to learn a lot more about the intricacies of each and every play. So, so what's your take on how um, the biggest weakness that they have, what well, the media has been pointing out um, going into camp? A lot of people have said that it's the pass rush, and according to uh, NBC Sports, um. What they've said about the Raiders is the run defense must be improved inside and out. Um, the Raiders need some real juice off the edge. So the pass rush is being pushed really heavy because I don't even think that it's even close to being done. And like what you just said, um, you're saying Crosby may not be as best this year and may make a bigger impact next season. But we really need, excuse me, not we, the Raiders working on that, Kaylin. The Raiders really need Farrell and Crosby you still, you still <laughs> to make a. Oh, they need to make a bigger impact, um, because that is something that needs to be addressed. That uh, the pass rush. And what are what would what would you say that the Raiders should do to address it to handle it? I mean, they have the most depth they have in years, but what they really needed to do was even though they had 14 interceptions in 2018, they really needed to strengthen the defensive backfield because that alleviates pressure off of the pass rushers because they don't have to worry a lot about, too much about the guys behind them. They just do their job and they crash the quarterback because that's their job. They don't have to worry about covering the ball or when the ball is thrown into the air and getting after the guy because they have they'll have more trust in the guys behind them in the secondary, and having as much depth as they do, I mean, it's going to help. Especially you sign a player like Vontez Perfect, who was over at uh, the charity softball game a week ago Saturday. Seeing him, seeing the potential, seeing how much chemistry he has already built especially knowing Paul Gunther's system. He can te- he's another teacher on that team, along with Gunther, who will implement and help implement the system to the other guys. Because once you have a guy that already knows the team, like I'm going to use a UNLV example here, in another sense in basketball, David Jenkins, the transfer to South Dakota State, with TJ Otzenberger, so he's going to sit out here. He can teach the other guys how to role how to run PJ's fast open three point system at UNLV. But in the NFL, you need also need guys like that. Signing a player like Vontez Perfect who knows the system, who knows the discipline, knowing that Vontez has been suspended and has gotten a little trouble in the past, he's only going to help strengthen, help anchor that defense into what Gunther really wants to see. He's another teacher on that team. I mean, I guess if you're asking for a weakness, I'd say that the weakness is the depth in 
the linebacker core. But then again, you're uh, just out. out of curiosity. Do you think the Oakland Raiders will be Super Bowl candidates this year? No, I I was talking to my dad right before this when I was walking my 15 and a half year old yell at Eisenhower. Shout out to you, Eisenhower. I love you, baby. Um, I was talking to him. I said, they'll be 7, 9, 8, and 8, 9, 7, hovering around that range. But it's not good enough to be great, but they're good enough to challenge for second or third place in the AFC West. I mean, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to speculate here, but they're they're not Super Bowl candidates this year. Okay. I'm sorry, Roger. See, I was going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you, but I will say this. 2019, you know, let that just be a grace period. But not really. We we really need... Okay, we keep saying we. Aha, I'm working on... <laughs> Listen, well, like when you're that. when you bleed silver and black, Kaylin, it's kind of hard to fix it. It's in my DNA. Well, you better fix it. I even though it's in your <laughs> DNA. Come on. I'm this holding. I'm holding up for. Up. You live for talking. I'm, Off the I'm ear, you can talk that way. I'm holding a Raiders football right now, looking at my Raiders keychains, wearing a Raiders hat. So <laughs> it's kind of hard. Um. But what I was gonna say, I don't. Well, well, do you mind, I'm only going. I'm only just say one thing. I was over at the Silver and Black Pond, Golden Silver Pond today from Pond Stars. I mean, the first time I was over there, and they actually have replicas of the three Raiders Super Bowls, and the only second overall collection of a full set of replicas for Super Bowl rings, and. It was amazing. The Packers were the other team, but it's just like you're you won in the past. They can win exactly, and and twenty twenty will be that year. They have so much. I'm I'm not even going to say twenty twenty. I mean, they can make the yeah. That's what we'll push for. But that's a spitting in black. Spitting in black will push for that. <laughs> I'll, I'll flip it. I'll flip it right like back. That. Okay, so we we just that's we went over the play the quarterback crisis. Um, what about we mentioned a little bit about head coaches? Um, so there's also along with the quarterback crisis, there may be perhaps a small minuscule. Crisis with the Raiders coaching staff, possibly. Um, Beknownst to us, there has been different rumors going around that the Raiders may, the front office may have to make adjustments in the following year if things that need to be fixed are not remedied. And uh, I, I know we were mentioning before we went on air about uh, Tom Cable, and many people are thinking, like, well, he. Will he be getting let go or will he be getting a free pass? You know, um, they've had some time with him to develop. Um, but if we just think about it like this, um, when they added veteran uh, 
what was his name? Colton Miller. Colton Miller in 2018. Yeah, this this past year. Um, hopefully, that was supposed to put the pressure on, and hopefully we see that in the following year. But if not, I don't know if like the sack levels come down, the run totals they have to stay high, um, because that's the only thing that I think will secure Tom Cable's position. I mean, I'm not in a position to speculate on his job, but there's a lot of a lot of people in the world of Raiders and Raider Nation that say, "Oh, Tom Cable, he should go. Why didn't Tom Cable get fired? Oh, why is Tom Cable this? Why is Tom Cable this? Why is he still here?" I mean, first of all, let me just lay this groundwork. His fourth stop was in Las Vegas at UNLV in 1991 at the bright young age of 27 as the offensive line coach. He was already in Las Vegas before the Raiders were in Las Vegas. He was the Raiders coach for two seasons in 2010 and 2009 at another bright young age, 45 and 46. He was the assistant head coach and offensive line coach for Six for seven seasons with the Seattle Seahawks, helping them win a Super Bowl and helping solidify that line with Max Unger and trying to work his magic with all those players. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks are better this past year with the offensive line, but when Tom Cable was there towards the end of his tenure, it was kind of rocky. And this year, he has a Mike Mack and company, John Gruden, a lot of him. He and they, and their core, brought a lot of players to the team. Trent Brown as right tackle. He's going to be a stalwart there. He's going to be an anchor for the team there for the next few years. He was great in New England, helped them win a Super Bowl. He's going to do wonders with Oakland. That's the type of player he is. He has a huge body. He can block a lot of people. He's fun to be around, too. I, I... This is one of the things I regret about the Chase Offer game. I should have talked to him just one on one because he seemed like a very cheerful dude, really nice guy. He's talking with people, he was laughing, having a good time. It was it was really great to see that. So they brought him in, which is good. They brought in another player by the name of Richie Incognito, who's going to be the right guard for the Raiders. Again, another player who's going to solidify the run for Raiders. And he's going to be there for this season as a prove-it deal and to prove that he's out of trouble and prove that he can be the man. And that's good. The Cold Miller is one of the better guards in the whole league, in the whole NFL. He can really solidify that line for the Raiders and solidify the only weak point they had, which was at right guard. They didn't really know what position and player they were going to put there. But they had put someone there. And they found Incognito, Incognito was a agent, and that was a really good pickup. Then, the last player they have is Rodney Hudson, who we talked about in the previous week. The Raiders want to get an extension to. He's the best class blocking center in the NFL. Now, this next year, Tom Cable has no choice but to improve. He took a line that was 8th best in 2017, 
to his 28th best this past year. Not all is on him because, again, Derek Carr kind of held the ball a little longer than he needed to, and it was the first year in a new system for a lot of the players. But having three stalwarts at the line, and if Colton Miller improves like he's supposed to coming out of UCLA last year, then the line should be just fine, and Tom Cable should be just fine. But Kalen, he's well, Tom Cable definitely should improve the line next year after he took over the eighth line in 2017. Well, after Richie um, has proved himself, you know, I think that despite all the stuff that's going on off the field, I think that he'll be able to really um, be a mentor to Trent Brown and bring his veteran experience to the locker room. Um, they were asking during the um, during the rookie transition program, they were asking a lot of different questions about uh, how is Richie working with everybody and um, how are how are how are uh, Richie and Incognito and Antonio Brown as teammates? And they were saying that um, everybody's been getting along very smoothly. You know why? Because everybody's grown men and brotherhood. This is where that term brotherhood comes into play. Um, never letting letting your teammate putting your teammate before you. Uh, never letting your teammate down by not putting the Raiders above not being able to put the Raiders association and the playerhood, um, the brotherhood, the teammates before themselves. So I think that Richie's going to step up and mentor a lot of uh, younger rookies in order to get them comfortable being on this big stage that they're going to be playing on in one more year, because it's already a big stage for it to be the NFL period, but for them to be moving into a new stadium as a first class to ever play in the Las Vegas stadium in the, in a first ever built stadium that was built for them. They finally get their new home. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. It was wonderful. Kaylin, it is so big now. Like, it's fully, you can see. You can literally, so for you guys who don't see, me and Kaylin drive past the stadium every day, as we mentioned previously, and you you can see the full dome now. You can see the structure. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the Inside the Rebels Twitter account, if you don't, and you haven't looked it up, because one of the oh. pictures of the Raider Stadium is what I took, and it is glamorous. It is huge. I mean, it's like, I can't believe it's NFL Stadium in Las Vegas because it's like, I can't believe the NFL team moved to my city because it's like, I live in Cleveland, but then I didn't live in a couple cities without a team, and living in a city with an NFL team, and with, it's just so big, it's so enormous, it's like it's here, it's building it, it's open next year. Ooh, like yeah, like don't, that's what I'm saying. I was getting so excited just talking about it. So I'm like, I'm really ready to see the camaraderie, like on the field. Um, they already have the Raiders players have such a high standard to uphold to. Um, just because they're they're not only in a team, like they're part of a dynasty, a franchise, a well developed franchise that will outlive them. You know, so it's bigger than them. 
very true. And I know you were talking about mentoring players <laughs> before we went off on that little tangent. But I don't know if you thought of this, but Trent Brown, he's coming from a great system with a great head coach in John, I mean, in Bill Belichick in New England. Now, if he hadn't learned anything in New England, um, then he's not going to be good fit. But he had to have learned a few things in New England from Bill Belichick, from Tom Brady, how they work. Because you don't just win six Super Bowls without doing anything. You need to have a little discipline. And they had discipline there. And Trent Brown learned a lot from that system. And now he, um, he comes in. He can mentor Colton Miller and the rest of the offense line and teach them what it takes to succeed. Because, quite frankly, he's one of the only players, if not the only player, on a team who has won a Super Bowl. Now, that speaks for itself, and he's going to do what's best for the team. And he's going to mentor every player on the team how to win mm -hmm. a championship. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, that championship motivation is what we need to fuel the Las Vegas and Oakland Raiders. Yeah, because they're truly two teams. I mean, not two teams. Two, teams, two yeah. cities in one team. And even when they move to Las Vegas, there'll be cities in one team. There'll be multiple cities, multiple places, but there'll be two cities in Nevada. So it's yeah, it's Nevada like two, two, two hearts in one, one soul. Two hearts in one vessel or something like that. Tether. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can come up. Yeah, I'm sure you can come up with a rap lyric for it, Denial. Because I know you do a lot of shows with music, so I'm pretty sure you have some one uh, song, one rap lyrics, one time, one verse, one line, one time. Ooh, like that. That was off the. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's how we do. Yeah, that's, that's silver. That's spitting silver and black, music, baby. You know? Speaking of silver, spitting silver and black, we want you guys to stay tuned. Because guess what? Me and Kaylin will be right back. Hello, all listeners. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we are back on Spitting Silver and Black on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. I'm an I, you already know. Kaylin, um, when we just left off talking about uh, the defense and offensive coordination, what are your thoughts on this star-studded offense that we got that the Raiders have this season? So this season, I might pair perspective with everyone. Yes, 2018 was a bad year for Oak Raiders offense. First year on John Gruden. Hit the <laughs> do not panic button. Hit the do not panic button. Do not. Like, Staples used to have that button they press stop or something. Well, press that stop button right now. Because in 2018, they averaged 18.1 points per game. Yes. That was a little less than what they did in 2017, 18.8 points a game. But again, you lost a ton of what you had in the offense. And you're both only 23rd each year. And so, so you shouldn't even panic. Because this year with the Raiders, uh, you have High Williams as a perfect complement to Antonio Brown, who's going to command double teams. And all that. 
You have Darren Waller, who's shaping up to be a great pass catching, perfect replacement for your former tight end, Jared Cook. And then this year, Darren Waller is going to be that guy, that tight end, that big receiving tight end, who's going to be a great replacement for expensive Cook veteran. And that's that's your receiving core is pretty good. You're running back, you have Doug Martin to mentor Josh Jacobs. Great. And Josh Jacobs last week, I don't know if anyone listened to the interview. Well, listen to it and please listen to the 14th edition Josh Jacobs special last week, our podcast. Please listen to it. It's been so black as one. And, but he said that it's going to be good because he's, he helped him out already. He's helped him out already. And pretty much everyone in the team is, but when asked about Doug Martin who pressed on him, he said, yeah, he's really helping me out. They had 362, 336.2 yards per game last year, played at 425.6 the previous year, but, or 425.6, where they averaged Kansas City, who had the top offense in 2018, and the Raiders averaged about 90 yards left at 336.2. Well, with that star-start offense, with a perfect complement to Antonio Brown and Tyler Williams, what do you have to worry about? Tyler Williams was one of the top options in L.A. with the Chargers and was the top option when Keen Allen wasn't there. What is to worry about, fans? You don't have to worry about that offense of yours. This year is a great year. I think you can – I can – you literally – he covered everything. <laughs> he covered everything. So, listeners, you do not have anything to worry about with the offense. You may have a few valid um, premonitions on the defense. Now, that is something to be alarming. However, the offense has been double. It, it was a really high, um, highly, wasn't it a high offensive draft? It was more so a defensive draft, but a high offense. Yes, for the Raiders. Yeah, the for the Raiders. Yeah, of the course. Raiders. Like I said before, they had gave up two, um, two first round picks, two seasons, five first round picks, two seasons in a row. So, since we started this show, the heavy thing that we have been pushing is the defense and the offense but really the offense because they needed a new entire new roster for the offense. So um, definitely solidifying um, the backup quarterbacks, getting the star power. We got Antonio Brown getting, um, we got, yeah, we got, we got, we got we too got, much. Got. Um, Tom Cable coming they in doing it. what he needs to do. Mike Mayock coming in um, on his side of the field. I think that the Raiders, one thing you won't be able to say about the Raiders is that we're not, we're not complete. I feel like we're double stuffed. Yes. You know what, Kayla, this is my podcast. I can say whatever I want. The Raiders. Yeah, it is. And guess what? I can say whatever I want. So the Raiders, 
are double stuffed, so don't come at them. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, you look at this team, you see the depth they have, you see, you see that all the new players, almost 80% of the roster has been overhauled. And you see, you'll see the difference both on and off the field with the Raiders. They'll be more like a family this year rather than a disjointed one that was almost yeah. separating at the same time. divorces. And also, something to note is the new additions to the Raiders franchise and what was just hosted uh, this past weekend was the Raiders preparation for the rookie program for the media, uh, which is pretty cool because it's like a crash course for um, media preparation. You got to think about it. Um, a lot of these players, they're just coming from college. Like, not everyone from college is a star. Not everyone's being interviewed by the press. So getting the Raiders in a transition program to where um, you're helping a rookie, a young, essentially a very young child, because a lot of the rookies are, what, 18, 19, 21, maybe 22 at the, at the oldest. Well, they're not. 19. They're definitely not 18. They're... 19 well they're mostly 21 because you need to be have two years in college yeah of course but think about it like what if you went what if you started what if you started college at 17 or 16 that's only 19 well when you're a college football athlete you're not going to start college at 16 you can start at 17 but you don't start at 16 is you take the X year of maturing at the high school level, especially if you're top athlete. Tomato, to tomato. To top school, they're like still Alabama. kids. They're, they're still kids. They're or, still young. Yeah, I think it's a really yeah, yeah, great yeah, exactly. for um, all yeah, I, of I the point. NFL teams to be having this in-house rookie transition program because it's training them not only on stepping aside from football, but Training them on the things that come around being come with being an athlete, come with being on this team and are going things that are going to affect them in life and really preparing them for it rather than just being hit and smacked with it. And so uh, according to um, the founder, uh, Metal, let me make sure I'm saying this right. I was going to say Madelone. I was going to say Madelone. Madelone. Okay, Madelone. Um, he said, you've got to be prepared. <laughs> what is your message? Don't wing it. If you plan by winging it, you fail by winging it. I'm telling them to own their key messages, then illustrate them with stories and examples that are safe because you don't want to hurt anyone in the process. So yeah, really, um, training them on addressing the media, um, making sure they know that every word that they're saying from now on can be used against them. <laughs> in a court of the media, you know, because the media can flip whatever they have to say and, and they will flip whatever they have to say. So I think it's great by Metalon really introducing and getting them prepared for the jabs that the report, the jabs and the hugs that the uh, the press that will be doing at them, just preparing them for it, Um, going along with their appearance, remaining focused, um, 
teaching the, all the players good practices to develop as a rookie. That way, their process of becoming um, a second a second year sophomore and then going on into being a vet will um, train them to train their character both on and off the field. Yeah, because if you actually see what Gary Madelon did, former ESPN guy, did with the Raiders, it was actually his first time doing it, believe it or not. And he seemed like an expert, but everything I read was that it was very technically based. He had PowerPoints, NFL players were reporters where they interviewed each other, and it was a really professional setting for them to be in. And they had photo and video examples in the PowerPoints Madlone did. And these players interviewed each other. They know, they know what reporters will ask. Like Josh Jacobs, for example, last week on the interview, he said that, I don't know if I should tell you this, but so he's learning. And he learned from this where he started distinguishing what he should tell you and what he should not. We're glad that he did tell us what he told us, but he could have been a little more uh, kind of hidden with everything, if you will. But what he also said was, illustrate what you have and what you're saying with stories. Now, the reason you do that is that you don't want to throw anyone under the bus. You're going to use stories. Like, Danny Ainge is not going to talk about Kyrie Irving with the Boston Celtics, say, come out and say, oh, he's terrible. Oh, he was a cancer to a team. He Came out and said, we look for guys who epitomize being a family, being that he didn't say about Kyrie. He didn't single out Kyrie Irving at all. Instead, he illustrated it with a story, illustrated the guys he wanted to bring into a positive life. And these players learned that from Man Lone, which is really good because the last thing you want to do is create that friction between teammates and say, hey, this guy didn't do his job. That's the last thing you want to do. It doesn't uh, involve chemistry at all. It doesn't help that at all. It doesn't help on field at all because you only separate by division. But with unity, you grow. And illustrating things in stories is very smart for players to do. I see that when I envy players now. And it's very smart for Mad Lone, a foreign ESPN talent yeah. developer, to tell them that. Yeah, and I remember... Um... We were talking about Kaepernick like a few episodes ago, and you had mentioned him to be a media headache. So whatever that is, I'm sure that Gary is preparing them for that. Definitely. Definitely. But they didn't only do that to prepare themselves for a pro. The Raiders also visited. Google to learn how successful programs are built, how people work together to build the most successful business empire there is. Because I guarantee you, everyone listening now, about 99.9% of you are using Google for a search engine to find this podcast or to look up anything online. Use Google, no matter where you are. At least 100% of you have used Google at least once in your life. And so. They visited the Google headquarters in Silicon Valley in California to learn how successful programs are built. Very good for them. And they also went to Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. They got to enjoy themselves sometimes. So 
they enjoy themselves over at Six Flags, which is really and nice to see. Building chemistry among the teammates off the field, even better. Yeah, I think that's really cool. All the bonding and the bonding is what we really need before because everybody wants to get their mind right. They want to get away from the media right before we get into training camp because as soon as we get into training camp, there she blows. And I believe that training camp isn't even um, that long away. Speaking of training camp, I reported, I put it on Twitter today that training camp for rookies for the Raiders, they're supposed to report on the 23rd. Whereas the veterans report on the 26th. The rookies get to catch up to the speed of the game, get to catch up, I think, before the veterans come in to kind of take over and kind of help the rookies out, catch up on whatever they need catching up with. But yeah, that's so everybody can be up to the same speed. That's good. Um, it makes sense. And also, uh, Exactly, because the speed of the game in the NFL, in the pros, is a lot faster than in college. Some players will tell you that it's the same, but it's a lot different from the majority of players you talk to. It's the speed of the game in the it NFL. Does. Oh, it most definitely is. is. That's why even the speed of life is a lot more faster after college, and that's why I think it's really good with Gary with the in-house rookie transition program. So, in other news, with a training camp, the Raiders will be hosting a joint training camp for the second time. First time they hosted it, uh, the first time ever in 2018 against the Detroit Lions. So they're bringing it back to Cali with um, the runner-up for the 2018 Super Bowl. Wait, was that this this year's 2019? 2019 Super Bowl um, runner-ups, the Saint. Ooh, I was going to say St. Louis Rams but they're the Los Angeles Rams again. So they're going to be meeting up. It, it, it's hard with all these moves and everything. Speaking of that, Buffalo location? is next on the clock for, to get an NFL stadium. Re- relocation? What? No, well, they're, they're next on the block to have an NFL stadium built. The NFL wants them to build a stadium Next to Brandon Stadium because their stadium, Ralph Wilson Stadium, is getting older. So that's the next stadium that's on kind of a chopping block of, hey, you need you need to get rid of the stadium. You need a brand new stadium. We'll find out in about five, ten years if they're going to have a new city or not. But that's and that's a spitting silver the, and black exclusive. But going back to training camp, um, yes, the Raiders will be hosting a joint training camp against the Rams uh, in Napa in the training complex August 7th and the 8th. And it's exactly a week before uh, week one of preseason. They will actually be playing in the first preseason game together on August 1st. Yes, so that's good and bad. The good side is that, hey, you get situational drills. Patriots mostly practice situational drills because it's not going to necessarily help you so much what you're going to do against one another. It's going to help against what you do against other teams in certain situations like what are you going to do on a fourth along? What are you going to do on a third and long? What if you're on a fifty yard line, it's third and seven, are you going to dump it off for a five yard pass and then get two yards on a fourth down because you're on their side of the field and you can't kick a field goal 
and it's not worth it to punt. Or are you going to go for it? Or what if you have seven seconds left on the clock and you're on the you're on your own thirty five? What are you going to do? You're going to do Hail Mary, but what if you miss the Hail Mary? What are you going to do next? Are you going to lateral it or whatever? It helps people prepare of how when different situations is. Situations are different in every game. You're going to have a new situation in every single game. It's helped the Patriots win six Super Bowls with Tom Brady as a quarterback. What is it going to do to Raiders? It's only going to make them better because they're going to learn the different situations that your team is going to be facing in the upcoming season. You're going to be playing each other. You're going to know what their offense and how the team functions. So learning how to work in different situations is and treat different situations to not stress out and, and to get those fourth quarter drives. That's why players, teams have records for most fourth quarter game range drives because they prepare for these situational drills over and over. Tom Brady is one of the leaders at Masters of it. Dak Prescott in the since he ended the league he has the most fourth quarter drives to win a game at the end of the game with the Dallas Cowboys. And it's only going it's only going to help players Learn how to function in these situations. Do not overthink it, but to treat it as just a regular situation that they practiced in the past. This is the best way to have things is to have them memorized and have the rhythm and have the knowledge uh, and foresight of how to do it instead of saying, oh, yeah, I never practiced before. That's the last thing you want to come in. You want to be prepared when you're in that, those certain situations when you're in the other teams. Well, the bad side is that you give away part of the play, your playbook but it's a give or take and take we should we'll we'll see i definitely agree with you you don't want to just show you all your hands before the season starts but it also is great to have some healthy competition and it's good to see what your competition is up to because it makes you get on your game that more that much more Definitely, because the more you know your game, the more you, you kind of have a feeling for it, the more you're going to succeed in the long run, because you know how everyone functions, you know how your team runs, you know how certain players are, you know which players are reliable in these situations. You learn that before you enter the season, before you're in those situations, because without it, you'd hardly win any of your fourth quarter situations, fourth quarter games, because you've seen that over and over again with teams who don't, who more so practice those individual drills more so than situational drills and joint practices. These joint practices are meant for that, and now that the Patriots have a lot, but they get, have those situational drills, and but they always have those situational drills. Who knows how many joint practices they have? But the Raiders having this joint practice, all the better it's going to be because they know what other teams are going to do in certain situations to game plan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But let's just hope that the Raiders um, keep most of their blitz, nice blitz plays and all the Hail Marys and don't just show all their cards um, at the start of the season, at least not even the preseason. So, Kaylin, who do you have for your, you know, our favorite segment, Greater Raiders? Oh, I'm afraid to say you're a greater raider. Are you, are you kidding? It's already on. It's already on. 
It's already on. Yeah, it's been about 60 I, minutes. So who do you so think uh, your greater rater for episode 15 to finish is? Um, my greater rater of 15 episodes, 15 to finish is... Dun, 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 dun. I am going. I I have to say that it's Trent Brown winning a Super Bowl and being signed to play right tackle, one of the top right tackles in the league, being a player John Gruen loves, being a player who others can rely on, being that stalwart at tackle, a very important position for blindside blocking, and being a great pass blocking and a decent run blocker for the Patriots, and being the player who is going to help others grow, mentoring them, helping them in their pursuit of a Super Bowl, and someone who's already won a Super Bowl, it's great for the Raiders to have a player such as him who they can lean on for future reference, and a player who they can lean on in the future in order to win championships. Because after all, every single week, I and and I say this at least once. You know my favorite statement, like you know Dick Vitale's favorite statement, baby. But you know my favorite statement is that the Raiders know need to know they need to win when they arrive in Vegas because of the Vegas Golden Knights' success going to the Stanley Cup their first season in the hockey. But Trent Brown is going to help the Raiders win when they arrive in Vegas in 2020. Because after all, the Raiders know they need to win, and that's why they brought Trent Brown in for. They brought him in to now, win. Now, win now, 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 now. Let the echo. <laughs> I think that's yeah, a great love, pick for you. Um, my, let me switch into my Stella. Stella today. Um, my great writer will be Daryl Worley. So Daryl Worley, he's. Number 24, the Raiders, cornerback, standing at a nice six foot one, 205 pounds. His college was West Virginia. Who knew? What's most important is, in just, in just three seasons, um, Daryl Worley had some trials in his NFL career. He was drafted by the Carolina Panthers at 2016. Then he was traded just after one year with the Eagles, um, after one month, excuse me, after one year with the Panthers, um, after one month with the Eagles, he was released for an arrest. Then the Raiders acquired him last season. And then another hiccup in the road, he was suspended for the first four games and he hasn't played a full season in the NFL. But what is so great about Daryl is he's very gracious of the opportunity that the Raiders have given him. It's important that we recognize our mistakes and our forthcoming, our shortcomings, and get over them. And make they make us a better person. It makes us who we are. And no one's perfect. But I like to mention and point out the fact that Wally said he was on um, a Raiders Inside podcast previously, and this is what he said. He said, "I'm definitely very appreciative and thankful of everyone." and everything that they have done for me. I just try to pay it back every day. 
just being the professional that they have expected. I love the scheme in which we're in. I really feel it brings out the strong points in who I am as a player. And I think I'm going into the year two of being in the same scheme with the Raiders. It should definitely help us thrive and be able to feed off one another. I like the fact that Daryl is getting into the groove, finding his way with the Raiders organization and trying to find ways that he can help and being very remorseful and, and appreciative and, and apologetic of his past transgressions. And this is why Daryl Worley is my greater writer. I think that's an honorable pick for your great reader. Daryl Worley, he's... I remember him from a couple seasons back, and he he's going to help the Raiders out so much this season. I mean, I can't begin to explain how big of an impact he is going to have in that system with Paul Gunther. He's only going to learn. He's only going to learn from now on and how not make a mistake and how to fight through injuries and everything. Playing with the Panthers before. Well, I think that um, basically wraps up the show. We went over a lot of, I guess I'll be regular. (laughs) We went over a lot of different topics. Um, We talked about the transition uh, that the rookies have had, thanks to Gary. Um, We talked about the additions to the coaching stash and their fate, the, the fate surrounding the media. Um. And we talked about we talked about the backup quarterback crisis. We talked about the defensive line and offensive line crisis, and the stackness and the fullness of the Raiders roster. Is there any points that you want to add, Kay? I just want to say that watch out for Darren Waller in the off season, and watch out for during the season because at tight end, he's one of those players who you can easily miss that is not going to fly in Evelyn's radar, but he's a sneaky player who's going to perform admirably during the season. Uh, before we go, Europe. I would like oh, cool. uh, everyone Raiders. to stop what they're doing and go ahead and download the sound, uh, the Spotify app if you don't have it already. Uh, go ahead and check out the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SV Nation via Spotify. All of our episodes can be found there or on Megaphone if you want to listen for more of me and they're also on google music among several other podcast networks on yeah so you have no excuse to not check us out anywhere and again thank you guys so much for listening to spitting silver and black silver pride network silver and black pride podcast network the raiders are coming SB Nation. Very good.